This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to a Men in Blazers pod special. In the great tradition of Horatio Alga, Scarface, Yentl, and Eddie Murphy in Coming to America, this pod presents a gentleman who's experienced the American immigrant story full bore. A bloke who arrived on the shores of our great nation as a journeyman and carved his three initials into American sporting law. My guest was born in southeast London. Football runs in his blood, fam. He's the son <laughs> of Ian Wright, the prolific goal scorer and Arsenal legend. Yet his career in English football was a fight to find a true home. His fortunes changed in 2013 when he moved to MLS as a 28-year-old, arriving with a humility and a hunger and a desire to score a lot of goals. In four and a bit seasons with the New York Red Bulls, he's become the only striker in MLS history with two 20-plus goal seasons, won a golden boot for each foot, and fired his way to become the all-time leading scorer in New York Red Bull franchise history. All while seeming to sort of shrug the whole thing off. This man's goal-scoring ability on the field has been matched only by his unwillingness to hog the limelight off it. This Saturday at 1.30pm Eastern Time on Network Fox, he and his teammates will take to the field against local dread rivals New York City FC for the Hudson River Derby, a game that's fast become a gangs of New York rumble played out in the alleys of five points with knuckle dusters and nunchackers. Before it all goes down, I'm thrilled to sit with him today a man whose three initials, BWP, have become synonymous for finding the back of the net in MLS. Welcome to the pod, Mr. Bradley Wright Phillips. How are you doing, Rog? Thanks for having me, man. Oh, it's so good to be with you, Bradley. You first came here to these shores, New York, as a 13-year-old yes. from Lewisham, South London. What is your distinct memory of that trip? Statue of Liberty, my auntie's front garden in Brooklyn, a few lovely train journeys, you know, they, were, they surprised me. There was a few scary moments on there, but all in all, a very good trip and an eye-opener. On that trip, I actually got a Metro Stars jersey. The Red Bull's predecessor, listeners. In movie biopics, they call that <laughs> foreshadowing, Bradley. You know what? Every now and again, I think of it. I think, I, I don't know why I got that jersey. Me and my cousin, uh, Carol, we came over with our grandma, my dad's mum, and um, yeah, we went shopping and we both picked up that jersey. <laughs> I tell my mum to look for it all the time, but I don't think she can find it. Do you remember whose name was on the back? I don't think I had a name on there. It was just waiting for a 99. (laughs) Maybe. If someone had given me a Jeff Goose jersey when I was 30, maybe my whole life would have been different. But back then, when you flew home with it, that jersey, would you ever have imagined you'd one day wear it for real? No, not at all. I think coming from England, the soccer in the US, we didn't see it, it wasn't televised. So it's hard to see that. I really got the jersey because it was a Nike jersey. And when I was growing up, if you had Nike, you were the man. So. Oh, your footballing career started in England. It was one of highs and lows. You came through the Manchester City reserves as a kid. You scored on your Premier League debut for City, but you didn't stick. Suffered relegation 
from the Championship to League One with a then floundering Southampton. Yep. In 2012, you scored 22 times for Charlton Athletic in League One, English third tier. But the goals dried up, you fell out of favour and out of contract. We all know you as prolific goal machine, Bradley Wright Phillips. But when you look back in your career in England, how do you understand it? What was stopping you from doing your thing? I don't know. It was. I had a few stops and starts every time I go through a nice goal scoring um, patch and then it would stop. And I'm one of those guys, I feel like I need a manager that when I do go through a bad patch, that they, they still believe in me. And if I have that, if I know that, you know, he, he knows I can score goals and given the chance, it, it will come back again. I, I feel like I benefit from that. If I think I'm going to be out of the team when I don't score or if, I'm, if I don't score for five games, I'm going to be out of the team. I, I struggle with that. I battle that, you know, on the training ground and then coming into training. Once I have someone that believes in me, I feel like I'm the best version of me. The mental side of the game. Was there a moment in your career when you thought this football thing, it might not be happening for me? Not as dramatic, but there was a time where I thought, I need to buck up my ideas. It's when I, um, I left Southampton. I was getting in a little trouble. I wasn't really concentrating on football. And I ended up going to Plymouth. Now, I had an amazing time there in Plymouth, but growing up, you don't want to play for Plymouth Argyle. It's not, it wasn't a dream of mine. No, honestly, it wasn't a dream of mine. Even so. if you grew up in Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not disrespect the Pilgrims. Honestly, they've, they've had some good players go through there. But yeah, I found myself at Plymouth. I'm in the championship. I got injured six months. They went down. So it was a tough time. And I, I remember speaking to my wife. She wasn't at the time. She had to impress me and, you know, treat me well for a few more years. But yeah, I spoke to <laughs> Leanne at the time and I said, you know, when I get back from this injury, I, I really need to score goals. We need to, we need to move and we need to get out of here. And, and thankfully I did. But that was the only time in my career where I thought, you know, you need to start concentrating on football and not everything else. And from that day, I knew when I really put my mind to it, I could, I could score goals or I could play well. Your agent set up a visit to New York, yeah. initially for a two-week training stint. Mm -hmm. You've admitted that when you came here, you had doubts yeah. about playing here when you arrived. Can you describe those doubts? It's a scary feeling. I feel like when you play in England, there's an arrogance to the rest of the world, to our other leagues good. You know, uh, will I get the same you know, recognition or, or whatever it might be? Plus, you're bringing your whole family to another country. So it's kind of worrying. I don't want to mess that up and bring my kids here and it doesn't go well for them. So it's a lot of things I had to think about. But when I did get here, they're clever. They put me in Hoboken. They put me in a W hotel. There was a car service to and from training. It was the middle of the summer. So it was, it was a beautiful time. I couldn't really say no, you know, once I got here. So that was what changed your mind? Yeah, just how it was. When I got here, the facilities were amazing. I, I came to Red Bull Arena. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect the training ground to look how it did. So it was the facilities, the standard of the stadium, yeah, the standard of the Yeah, everything. It just clarified to me that, you know, they're doing the same thing here that I, I see at home and even better. There's some places I played in England that don't have these facilities. So it almost gave me a comfort, you know, and not to mention Thierry Henry was there, Tim Cahill, Janinho. You know, who am I to be playing with these kind of players? So. Is it fair to say that two-week training session changed your life? I mean, one minute, you were unable to get a minute in League One. The next, you... A childhood Arsenal fan, right? Yeah. A Thierry Henry strike partner. Did yeah. you feel like Alex Hunter for real? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I won't lie about that. It was crazy. Um, just learn what I could in the two weeks and, you know, before I know it, I was signed. Oh, it would be like me playing week in, week out with Tony Hibbert. <laughs> but your, your, your first full season in MLS, charging onto Henry's passing with tireless, intelligent runs. 
You just went on a campaign-long scoring rampage, yeah. found the back of the net 27 times. Yeah. You equaled the MLS single-season goal record. After stalling for so long career-wise, you had the season of your life. Yeah. Emotionally, how did that feel? It was nice for me, you know, personally. I didn't start that season out thinking I was going to be top goal scorer. I didn't. I don't think too far ahead. I like to try and build up a nice form, try and get my form on the field good, then I think about goals. But yeah, after that season, it was it was nice. You know, I felt like I'd helped the, the team, you know, achieve something. Before I came, I only played half the season. They won the Shield, but I didn't feel part of it. That season, 2014, I, I had done my job and it, it was nice, but playing with Thierry made it very easy. Nice. You're a lovely man. Nice is a word that my mother uses when she doesn't really want to go there. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think about your career. You had dreams. Those dreams were not met or actualized yeah. in England. You come over here and you are scoring week in, week out. Your hero is pulling the yeah. strings behind you. You must have felt an enormous sense of vindication. Yeah, it was. Like I said, it was nice. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't get too excited about things and I don't, I try not to get too down about things. It was amazing. When my son's older and much, I will tell them about this specific moment you're talking about. But when you're living it, it's not a yeah, time for exactly, stories. Exactly. My job isn't done yet. I still feel like I can do a lot more. You were once asked what you learned from your time with Thierry in training. And you said that the game was like a science to him yeah. and that you were surprised how much he cares about the little things. Yeah. Can you give us some examples of the little things? Okay, so with me, I would, someone plays me through in on goal, the defender comes and muscles me out of the way and I don't have a chance anymore. With Thierry, he will get me in the change room after and say, no, when you're running, you now cut across him or put your right foot there. He'll bounce off you, slows down, and then you get two more seconds to actually finish the ball. And things like this, I, I would never think. I would either think I'm quicker than this guy, I'll beat him, or he, he was quicker than me. That's just one example. He thinks like so, so far ahead, that is. I know why he's amazing. I thought it was just God-given talent, but it isn't. He's, he thinks so different. So you were playing with pure pace. And he broke the game down, even yes, to you, he, a seasoned pro, how to control the ball. He just you aside what to do before you control it, even before you control the ball, like where, how, which angle you should run at. It, it, was so, it was crazy to hear some of the things he said. So he made you look at the game completely different? So different, yeah. So different. He left MLS after that season, Thierry. Yeah. The consensus was your ability to score would disappear along with him. Yeah. Journalists even had a name for it. They said talked about the Henri effect. <laughs> Did that piss you off? It did. I think this may be the first time I'm admitting it, but it did, you know, because obviously not at amazing ratio, but I was scoring, I've scored goals before. I've had 20 goal seasons, you know, in England and I wasn't always playing with Thierry. So it's frustrating. But then I realised people that want to want to say something negative, well, they were always, there's nothing you can do. But that did make me want to score goals. <laughs> and I think for that, I think the season after, I only got 17. And for me, that's good. That's a one in two, I think. But it still wasn't enough to shut them up. But then I realised even if I did, they would have found something else. They would have said, oh, it's because of Sasha. So you can't please those kind of people. The people I, I made happy are the people that will always be happy for me. Yeah, I mean, to me, when I look at the numbers, you defied the consensus and then some, Bradley. I mean, you littered 41 goals over the two seasons yeah. that followed. And I love how you once talked about the mental approach to a season in that time. You said, I look for my own target that I set in my head yeah. at the beginning of the season. Once I get there, that's when I start yeah. enjoying scoring. Exactly. But if you see me score now, I'm not going to be happy. I won't over-celebrate. 
because I still have a ways to go where I want to get. Yeah, I don't really celebrate. I Like I said, I have that target in my head and I'm not there yet. Also, if my form isn't good on the field, if I don't feel sharp, sometimes I almost feel like I, you know, I didn't deserve a goal, you know, and I, I just almost just high five, congratulate the person that assisted me and then I'll chill out. I got to be somewhere, a place in my head that where I'm happy and, and feel comfortable to really enjoy, enjoy scoring. When I hear you talk, two footballers come to mind. Mario Balotelli, who once infamously said about the emotions Amazing. he feels when he scores goals. He said, when I score, I don't celebrate because it's my job. Yeah. When a postman delivers letters, does he celebrate? <laughs> and then on the other hand of the spectrum, Diego Forlan, who once described the joy of scoring as, quote, better than an orgasm. <laughs> I don't know about that. So between Balotelli <laughs> on one end and Forlan on the other. Yeah, I'm more in a Balotelli, but not as... I get what he's saying. I fully understand what Balotelli's saying. It, I'm not going to lie and say it doesn't feel amazing. You know, I want to score every game, but I do understand that. That's what I should be doing. And you, you can only see that when, when you don't score, the, the pressure you get, and when you do score, the pressure you get. And it, it tells you that you should be scoring, but when you don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain what I, how I feel in my mind about goal scoring because it is very important to me. But just some points in the season, it isn't everything to me. There'll be a point in the season where goal scoring is everything, but not throughout the season. I, I'm not one of those strikers. My dad goes mad at me for that. You know, I just get a, a text yesterday. He was like, oh, well done on the goals. I was like, I was effing rubbish. And he was just like, what are you talking about? You scored how many goals in how many years? People only judge you on goals. And every now and again, he has to, re, he has to put that in my mind because that's how I think about things. I, I think I'm one of the only strikers that doesn't purely just score about goals. And I think if I did, I would be a better player, honestly. It's Henri's fault. He's got you thinking about how you control yeah. the ball. He's trying to make me be like him when I can never be like him. You know, I've got to, I've got to humble myself and just know what I'm capable of. So, but you do think if you just thought purely about output, you would be a better player? I think I could be more, not a better player, maybe more, a, more a more devastating goal scorer, maybe. Sometimes if I'm through and going, I hear someone call me, I will, I will try and get the ball to them. You'll see me mess up a lot of plays like that. I just got, I'm not very single-minded where, and I think strikers have to be. See, it's astonishing because the only thing I do in my life, like you score goals, is eat pies. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you have etched the initials BWP into MLS's record books. You're the first player in MLS history to score at least 20 goals in multiple seasons. You had a 27-minute hat-trick against Toronto, fastest from the opening whistle in MLS history. You're the Red Bulls' leading all-time scorer. What is it that you do? What is the secret to the art of scoring as many goals as you do, Bradley? Movement is a, that's my most enjoyable thing about the game. Other than scoring, it's my most enjoyable. I love movement. You know, growing up, I would, I watched my dad's videos. Um, Robbie Keane, all those kind of players that were very good with movement. But that's what I base my game on. So when I meet, I, I score off a of movement. I, I like to trick defenders or try and find space. And I think that's how I manage to score goals. You won't see me dribble past two players and, and curly in the top corner. That's just not what I'm like. I like to evade defenders and, and make clever runs. You're listed at five foot eight. Nah, I'm five foot nine at least. I had at you, least. I said listed because to me when you walked in, I thought five <laughs> eleven. Oh, thank anything. you, thank you. But you're listed. <laughs> you're listed at five foot eight, and you apply your trade in the penalty area where there's big bruising bodies flying. There's just no space to be found. Watching you, you seem to make time freeze. You appear so calm, mentally, with your movement. What are you thinking as you make your runs into the box, making that ball just suddenly appear at your feet? I work on leaving it as late as possible. 
especially in the box, not with runs, you know, into to the final third. In the box, I try and work on leaving it as late as possible because that just gives me a little more time to see the, see the ball coming. I feel like whenever I've run to like the near post too quick or I've got in the box too quick, the ball, it will be behind you or you don't have enough time to really direct your shot. So I try and leave it as late as possible. And, and that way you can, you can see the ball coming all the way to you and, and try and pick a corner. In good times, you've told me that when you're on a scoring run, yeah. you go about life where you feel that you cannot miss. Yeah, it's so weird that goal scoring is so weird. There are times where I know in the morning I'm going to score. And it, it's so crazy to think because when you're going through a bad patch, the goal seems like it's this big. Like, you can't score. So it's so weird um, what confidence and just being in the groove, how well it will do for you on the field. It's, it's so weird. You know the morning before a game, you know that Bradley Wright Phillips is going to be on the score sheet. That's yeah, there was some date when I when I'd had like three goals in three games or something, I knew I would wake up and feel like I was going to score. You know, and then I, I'm very superstitious. So a friend would text me and say, I feel like you're going to score today. And I bring that with me, you know, and I think, yeah, he knows too. And I just, I take that with me and it, it's weird. But then when you can't score, it's so hard, it's so hard to find a goal. I mean, for the past 46 consecutive years, I've woken up every morning thinking I can't score today. I can't score today. So I can't even imagine. <laughs> no, but I've been on that side too, and where then... I feel like I'm not going to score. I'll go to the game like, Today, I'm just going to have to work hard because it doesn't, I don't feel like I'll get goals. Last season, you were in a goal drought. I'm always in a goal drought. There will be a time where I'm in a goal drought. You changed it up in a remarkable way. You married your long-time life partner. Uh, we shouldn't say this because she likes to take credit as it is. But yeah, I think after that wedding... <laughs> the goals just yeah. flowed. But you know what? That was actually leading up to that whole thing. That was a stressful time. We had a lot of family over. A lot of family. That's what I was going to ask out, you. Yeah, people in and out of the house. I wanted to know, was it the release of being married that led to the goal scoring? Or was it just I the stress just of the over. wedding that was, was stopping done. you from goal scoring? When the last person left, I think I must have scored. <laughs> I think when that person got on a flight, I was like, all right, can I concentrate on football? <sighs> I watched you and your team toil against 10 men, Philadelphia. Yeah. You were goalless into the 87th minute. And then with three defenders in front of you in the box, you pointed where you wanted the ball, charged through, yeah. Each of them stabbed the ball home. Minutes later, you grabbed the second, your eighth goal of the season, four in your last four games, as many as you had in the 12 matches before that. As you approach this weekend's big New York derby clash, what's changed for you in this Red Bulls team that's allowed the goals to suddenly start flowing? I don't know because I didn't know personally I was four and four. But I think we're, we're, we've been working on a lot of um, attacking plays, attacking options you know, our fluidity in the final third. And it seems to have come together a little bit more than it, it had in the beginning of the season. So we want to bring, you know, the same kind of energy, the same kind of movement. A, a little bit of a better performance in, you know, Philly. Obviously it was a way, but I don't think we were good. Yeah, so I think we need to, to just bring a little bit more fluidity in the final third. Hudson River Derby. Yeah. We're three years into this rivalry. And we've played about 30 times. It's crazy. Uh, I, think, I think the actual number is 73. <laughs> You've played more in the few years than like the, the whole Merseyside yeah, derby it over its 121-year history. Yeah. But before the game, inside that Red Bull locker room, does it feel different or is it just another game to nah, the players? it's definitely not another game. There was something that, you know, that came with this derby. When I first knew they were coming into the league, I was excited about it. I didn't think it would be as big as it, as it got. And... It's good. It's good. It's very good. You know, when, before the game, I have a little bit of butterflies. Um, 
I'm kind of nervous. You know, you don't want to lose those kind of games, you know, for the fans and obviously for the three points and the bragging rights. So it definitely has a different feel. I mean, in a way, it's not just a clash between two local rivals separated by 20 miles as the crow flies with New York City FC as the kind of newcomer, the upstart, the satellite of English Premier League Petro Power Manchester City, coached by World Cup legend Patrick Vieira with the big money, big name roster against you guys, kind of scrappier, slightly less plushly resourced Red Bull team. As a player, do you feel that, that this is kind of like a clash of footballing philosophies? It definitely is. I think the way we... The both teams look at view the game or you know the way we play the game our tactics everything is different and yeah on the day it always comes down to whose tactics who's going to nail their tactics who's going to do their job better and you know so far we've come out on top but they're a, they're a very good team they're tough to play against and because they're so good it brings out the best in us in the course of the past six games city has most definitely been red nycfc they've got the names the money but you have a record of five and one in league play yeah you had one Singular 7-0 victory. You personally have outscored NYCFC 8-5 in the <laughs> entire span of the series. Yeah, it's lucky. But your coach, Jesse Marsh, he's called this NYCFC team the best that they've ever fielded. What, what do are. you see when you watch them play? They're a team that, that like to pass from the back. You know, they, They've obviously got a great goal scorer and a great player. Um, they're very tough to play against. They like to pass. We, we pride ourselves on um, high pressure. And they, they do make it hard for us because their players go right to the edge of the, to their um, box and they go, they go far, you know, right to their to the end line and we have to cover all of that space. So they're tough to play. And if, if our press is not on and they break us down, they're, they're literally in on goal. So everything has to be done to a T. You talk about their goal scorer. We're talking about the man who just pipped you for the MVP last season, David Villa, a bloke who's won World Cups, Champions Leagues, and could really just come here and jog through games. Yeah. But watching him, I'm blown away by the hunger, the desire that he it's still amazing. has to score goals, to win games week in, week out. How do you understand it? What, what is it that still drives him? Yeah, that's, I think that's just a, a mentality he must have had as a kid. Because when he first came out, I, I did think, you know, I don't, I don't think this guy will, will work for the team. I, don't think if he sc- I didn't think he would celebrate if he scored. You know, I honestly didn't think he would be too bothered. It's an honour to just see him respect the league, the players he's playing against, you know, and, and giving his all because I wouldn't say he doesn't have to, but if he didn't, you know, I don't think anyone would have a bad thing to say about him. It's no one-man team. NYCFC also feel 20-year-old delight. I adore this man. Jack Harrison, yeah. young Englishman who came here at a young age, started his career in MLS. Does any part of you wish that you'd done that? Yeah, I've thought about it. I'm not sure because I feel like your story is your story. Maybe it took what happened to me in England to come here and do well, you know. So I don't think I'll change it, but I would advise young guys if they're not getting a look in in England to come over here, do the college route and and go from there because it can work. Look at Jack Harrison. He's a top player. The game is on Fox proper. And an amazing statistic. You have played 16 times on Fox. Do you know how many goals you've scored when you've been on the big network? No. 14 goals in 16 games. You love the big Fox cameras. What is it that brings out the goals for you? <laughs> I don't know. I always used to tell um, Julie and Taylor Twelman. I know they're on ESPN now, but I used to tell them they were my, my lucky charms. I don't know what it was. I don't know why, but like I told you, I'm superstitious. If something happens once, I want it to happen again. And 
it might have something to do with it. it but there is yeah, something when I heard that statistic, Bradley. There is something about the big platform, the big occasion, and what psychologically that does for your performance. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a thing, you know. To you know, when you got in a big game like when we play in New York City, I, I don't mean to, but I try to focus more. You know, there's a there's a will to not want to disappoint or a will to be even hungrier to get goals. And I think being on the national TV is kind of similar to that. We will see. We, we will see. see. <laughs> Do not jinx me. Yeah. Touch wood. Touch wood. Don't look at me. Don't look at me in the eye and you won't be jinxed. Look away. You're now 32. Mm. You've proven yourself as a goal scorer and then some. Is any part of you tempted to return to England? Nah, not yet. I'm saying it like I've got time, but no. So far, I haven't thought about going to England. I just, I don't miss it. It's almost like I, I've been there, done that, you know. And when you watch Premier League football, Brendan, how do you experience it? Do you look at it as a fan, or do you look at it as a professional footballer and nah. think, what if? Nah, I'm, I more watch it as a fan now. You know, I'm a big Arsenal fan. I, I wake up in the morning and watch those games. Um, I definitely look at it as a fan. I, d I don't really think what if or. Do I want to go over there and try and play? You know, that I've heard one or two things, but it's, it just doesn't really interest me that much. You know, honestly, doesn't interest me that much anymore. Also, I think the, the best premiership days, they're gone, man. I miss those, you know, the old school days, Alan Shearer, those kind of days, they're gone. You mean the I vintage feel, Premier yeah, League Yeah, vintage days. Premier League. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's almost not the same, you know. It's true. We've got players hugging in the tunnel. Big derbies. It's just not the same to me. I like, mean, I like when they used to like... like the Keen Vieira like days. was beef, yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's... I'm expecting so some of that from you on, on Saturday <laughs> yeah, in the tunnel. Be, it will be like that. You know, thinking about your relationship to England, I'm reminded of something that you said when you signed your first big DP contract here in the United States. You talked lovingly about the house that you brought in New Jersey. Yeah. You said, I've got a driveway in the front. I love it. It yeah. looks like a movie. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, as someone that grew up in Liverpool watching American you know movies, what I, mean, though? It's like, I just know exactly what you mean. Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of American life, you know. Nice backyard. Look at me talking like an American. Yeah, nice garden, nice driveway, space for the kids to play. And it's, it's nice. It's a dream. I mean, it is a dream. And in some way, you've not just fitted here in the United States, but you've thrived. You've excelled. You've fulfilled all of the potential you showed as a kid. As you drive around the tri-state area, as you take to the field here at Red Bull Stadium, as you get called up to all-star team after all-star team, do you feel like you're living in a movie? Nah, not really, not really. Only the, only the, the neighbourhoods in cul-de-sacs remind me of that, you know. Even my family, we go to um, the plaza every Christmas, you know, to have like a home alone, a Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin McAllister Christmas. It's, it's ridiculous, but I love it. It's, it's great. Because oh, yeah. when I think about your life, I do think about the goal movie, that you are Santiago Munez, but oh. in reverse. <laughs> in many ways, I do think you're living the American dream. And I want to come back to you to finish, to Team BWP, buying that Metro Star jersey when you're over here on vacation. If there's any out of contract, out of favour English players listening to this pod, and they're about to travel to New York now and pick up a Red Bull jersey with your name mm. and number 99 on the back, what would be your message to them? Come over, it can, it can work for you. I feel like... We see players and a certain league might not be suited for you. It might not be for you or the manager or whatever. It might not be suited for you. But if, if you're in a, a League One or League Two, even championship, I think if you're, if you're not enjoying it, there's something you don't like, you should try another country, not just America, but you should try. Because, you know, over there, it might be more suited to you. It's worked for me so far and it's worked for other players. So. I'm looking at your left forearm and the words no risk 
no reward yeah, exactly tattooed exactly that is the advice yeah. you'd give them that is that's exactly the advice i would give bradley wright phillips it's a beautiful thing to sit here as two englishmen both coming here with nothing living out the american dream one slightly more successfully than the <laughs> no, other that. that would be you and i'll say to you and your red bulls teammates in this game which is must-see television against nycfc on saturday 1 30 p.m on fox proper we wish you godspeed thank you very much <laughs>